I'm Jess. And I'm George. And I'm Vinny. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens in between. Like household repair. Yes. Projects. Vinny and I do that. Today was like the queer trans episode of This Old House. Yes, it was kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Projects. Vinny and I do that. That That is what you do. You come here to Vinny's and you do projects. Yes. Today we did a door repair. You did. Mm-hmm. There was no door. Now there is. Correct. Mm-hmm. And the reason there was no door is because this old house has an 8 by 10 bedroom and I'm using it as an office, but when I put a couch in it, you could no longer use the door. So I took the door off and then we had to put a barn door on Mm -hmm. because you know the victorians they didn't believe in space it probably was space to them or something i don't know well things have gotten a little out of hand i think with like you know five thousand square foot houses for one person Mm -hmm. things a little nuts yeah Mm -hmm. there has to be a balance somewhere in between between like you know the house i grew up in was like 700 square feet for four of us five of us Sometimes six of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the super decadence of today. Right. It's right. too much. It seems like a regular size room to me, but you are correct. The door and the couch would not accommodate each other nope. correctly. They don't go together. Right. One of these things does not belong. So the household repairs went much nicer than the attempted relationship that preceded them. Woo! Shit, yeah. You know, here's the thing I will say. Have you ever tried dating somebody who's still single in their 50s? It seems like everybody who is available is a crazy motherfucking therapist. Yeah, if you want to find someone functional, you have to find somebody who just happened to get divorced or happened to, you know, be available at the same time you did. But, like, they've done the the functional long-term thing before. Oh, my God. Yeah. And this one had not. No. Also, a a gender therapist. Whoa. Yeah. Hold on now. Yes, hold on. (laughs) Specializes in, like, people that are uh, transitioning or families that are transitioning. You would think that this would be an incredibly supportive person. But, like, the, like, final straw for me was when she said, Oh, you know, my favorite part of you was your cheeks, but um, you were going through a really awkward period for a while there, and now your cheeks are gone. But you're looking better anyways than you were during that awkward period. I'm like, you never tell anybody going through a hormonal medical transition like gosh you were having an awkward moment it's bad enough you got like fucking acne all over your face you know what I mean like somebody telling you like oh you were looking weird there for a while like what I need especially not what I need at 50 it's definitely not what I expect from somebody who's like in the industry and should fucking know better that's a lot of fuckings but those are my feelings and there was no fucking either what? Wait. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. There was a little fucking. She was like, this is the best sex I've ever had. And I was like, great. Why are you avoiding it all the time? Also, like, very afraid about getting pressured slash raped. And I'm like, that's great. I'm just going to back off. And then she would uh, try and she would say no and try and push me to, like, get her to yes. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not like, okay with you because, no. that, like you said, you want to respect boundaries, and yeah. if the person is feeling uncomfortable, you don't want to push them. 
no, I want to back right the fuck up. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know, you know, like maybe she's having a rape fantasy that she's living. I don't know what's going on there, but like it led to a lot of not sex, despite mm. it being the best sex that she'd ever had. But, you know, she hasn't had a lot of sex in her life because she avoids relationships. Well, you got a winner there. I know. I'm, I'm mm. just fabulous. So we, we should rewind a little bit to the transition stuff. Right. Cause because I haven't talked a, about that no, yet. No, and it's important. It is important. It, it is important because you, you came to transition fairly recently. Yeah. For a very specific, you know. Yeah. But, uh, well, every, everybody comes for a reason. Well, that, that's something else. else. <laughs> yes. That's something else, George. Yeah, well. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody transitions for a reason. And so the terrible reality of menopause was, like, my reason. And, you know, I got to say there's, like, something about weight in there that I'm not, like, I don't know, like, how to disambiguate it from fat phobia. But, it, like, having more weight makes me more appear more female. And I'm less able to, like, kind of pass as ambiguous, which you know, in the past, like, has created the situation where it's like, should I fuck that or kill it, right? And, um, like, none of those are good things, but I've realized that's my gender identity. If people are not reacting to me that way and they're, like, mid-America, then I don't know who I am. So I had to transition. You lost your ambiguity. Yeah. And that was really your identity. Yeah. And, and menopause can do that. I mean, it makes weight happen in a different distribution on a person's body. Yeah. And it changes things. It was so surprising to me because like my whole life, I had the easiest possible period. It was like, oh, like have it for three days. Sometimes I don't have it every month. And I was like, lucky me. And so I'm going to have my period and I'll be less female. And that total opposite happened where like, you know, I went from being feared and <laughs> people found me suspicious because what is that? And why are you trying to pull on me? And like, if you're pulling it on gender, what else are you doing? And they went from that to uh, like, oh, you're an old woman. And I'm like, no, <laughs> yes, it's terrible. I wasn't sure whether I wanted to do top surgery, and I don't know why, honestly. I see pictures of myself even now, and I and I just go like, oh my god, that is so fucking wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, it grosses me out, even though, like, breasts on other people of all genders is great, you know? <laughs> but on me, it just feels totally wrong. The thing I wanted to start with was hormones, and actually, like, at the very beginning of, like, menopause stuff, you know, I noticed, like, I felt different, and it felt like a lack of testosterone, and so I went to my gynecologist, who was ridiculous, just unbelievably ridiculous, like, as biased in every way that you can imagine, kind of left me with, like, these out-of-control hot flashes that she didn't want to address, and also was just like, well, testosterone is negligible in, in women, and we can test you, but it's going to be negligible here and negligible there, so, uh, like, don't worry about it. And I was like, no, I am worried about it. But it felt like that was the thing that I needed to do to get to feeling more like me. And you know what's surprising is like I have a genetic disorder. It's muscular skeletal. And like as soon as I started taking testosterone, it started getting better in ways that it's not supposed to. But it's just like my body feels right. And back to uh, like kind of the there was this deterioration that happened with menopause. And, and so like really I was missing some testosterone. I've got more now and so I'm you know growing myself a little dick and uh <laughs> 
and I've got like way more muscles um, really fast. My voice hasn't changed that much, but I'm looking forward to that too. I don't really need any facial hair, but if it comes, it comes. Yeah. So you said that your gyno was not happy about that. So what did she do instead? Like you went to your GP or you went to an endo or what did you do? Well, that was like, that was, you know, five years ago. Okay. And I just like, I was you, you just at you, a loss. You, you know? felt low on testosterone for yourself. Yeah. You're just, just yourself. And just, she just who I am. She wasn't willing to look at it. Wasn't willing to look at it. She did a test and she was like, yeah, sure enough, you have almost no testosterone in your system. And that didn't, doesn't matter to her. So doesn't it matter, matter to, to her, you, you know. Um, and so, like, uh, I just kind of gave up on the medical establishment. I was trying to, uh, you know, I had lots of other things to work out. And so I, I was trying to figure out, like, anything that I could do to treat treat the other problems that I was having and put the testosterone thing on hold. But now um, I just decided it's, it, you know, <laughs> I cannot tolerate not feeling like me anymore. And so uh, I really decided to go on testosterone maybe in the end of summer. And then, you know, it coincided with dating the like really out of control gender therapist, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was like, I'm really into like the changes that you will sometimes have. And I also just like all these things about you right now. I'm like, really? Except that I don't like women at all. I only like trans men. But I like your breasts and I like you know, all these feminine things about you. It was very confusing. Very confusing. So that has a... Sounds like it building. was confusing for her too. Obviously. Like, you know, I feel like most of the time I'm like a really big exception in people's like dating history and it was true for her too. You know, and she did not know what to do with it. Weird. Yeah. So my next uh, adventure is trying to get top surgery. So the the question I asked, though, was how did you end up getting to the testosterone? Like you said, this is how I didn't get it, but how did you get it? (laughs) So I ended up um, having a GP, and the first time I met with her, we had a really fun interaction where she was trying to get to know me, and she was like, She's German. Like, she sings in her church. She has a lesbian daughter in Berlin. She looks like a little angel. And um, a <laughs> little menopausal angel, right? Like, she's, you know, like, probably like 60 or something like that. Very sweet. Very nice. And she said to me, so you're going through the transition. And I said, no, it's definitely something I've thought about my whole life. But at this point, and this was, you know, like... 10 years ago or something like that, I said, at this point, I am not planning to transition. And she looked at me really confused. And I looked at her really confused. And she said, and I said, oh, menopause. She's like, yes, the transition. And I was like, oh my God. You're like, no. (laughs) Yes, I am starting to go through that transition. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So when I came back to her uh, like this summer and said, I need to start doing medical transitions, she was like, but you've never expressed any gender dysphoria. And I was like, no, I did. It just went over your head. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then she had to do this write up, and she got it kind of wrong. And and I have a therapist who's well equipped at, at speaking about gender, and you know has done research on gender and stuff like that. So I put that out there. I was like, already been dealing with this for years. You know, came to this conclusion like after a lot of work. Don't need to see a therapist internally. And so she sent me straight to the gender clinic. Woohoo! And she was like, you will go straight to the endocrinologist. Woohoo! 
Do not wait. pass go. Do not collect $200. Exactly. And then uh, I got to the receptionist. They're like, wait, 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 wait. And then they like booted me back to the social worker who just like had to do the gatekeeping stuff. And that took like an extra month and a half. And then I finally got hormones after like all that gate well actually after that you know month and a half then I had to wait another three weeks for an appointment with the endocrinologist and it's just like everything's been very gatekeepy and slow even though like this is a health insurance company an HMO that has like a gender center and allegedly is putting a lot of people through it right (sighs) how do you feel like they've managed your hormones with the idea of being non-binary binary good queer yeah, good. You know, like my doctor was like, I, I knew I wanted to do low dose testosterone and it's good that I am because uh, I'm super sensitive to everything. I'm actually like I have an estrogen patch, you know, for the hot flashes, which were pretty debilitating. I mean, <laughs> you look online and you're like, hot flashes can happen three or four times a day. And I was like, oh, no, motherfuckers. These were happening every 35 minutes on the dime, right? Like for eight minutes. Wow. And and then they're like, and you know, usually it's the top half of your body and you might experience sweat. And I would be like, I don't sweat. I was drenched in sweat. Like my ankles were sweating. Wow. That's I know. kind of wild. And let me just tell you, there's nothing more emasculating than going into an office with a room full of men and having a hot flash while you're trying to explain like why what they're doing is wrong. Because they always listen to you anyway. So anyways, I've done blood tests since then, even though I've got this patch and it feels like more estrogen than I've ever had in my body because again, maybe intersex on the hormonal spectrum, it is undetectable. You can't see it in my labs. It's just keeping me from having hot flashes. And so like I'm taking if that's what it's doing, then. I mean. Yeah. 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 And then, um, and so the same thing is kind of happening with the testosterone. They're like, oh, your levels are not at what we'd even expect for a non-binary person. But I'm experiencing all these changes. And when I told them that, they were like, okay, let's just keep going with what you're doing. So they're taking your feedback. Yeah. And you can say, it's. I, I want more. I want, I want more, less. I want less. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's perfect. No, that is really perfect. My endocrinologist that's dealing with the hormones is fabulous. And you've got gel, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Not yeah. injections. Yeah. And that, you know, like, I know that doesn't work for some people, but I am so sensitive. The, you know, like, the biggest problem I have with it is it's like, uh, it's an alcohol gel, and I'm allergic to the alcohol, and so I end up coughing for, like, 20 minutes Aww. afterwards. But, like, it's worth it because... It's going through my skin. It's not, you know. From breathing like, the alcohol? You need yeah. like a gas mask to put on <laughs> that, your testosterone. I know. <laughs> well, right. this is You the need time. to use the, the lotion applicator that I do and put it on your back. And then you <laughs> it has to go on your shoulders. Ah, <laughs> oh, dang. Yeah. I think it could go on your back. They say your chest, but like obviously that's not good until I get top surgery and no. maybe not even then. They told me shoulders, so I think that's just... Um, well, you know, I think some right. of it is like you don't want to expose other people to it, you know what I mean? So they want it under your clothes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so like uh, that was the interesting thing about starting testosterone and dating somebody that's like a cis woman is I was always just like super aware of like where I put it that day and like how long ago and you know like what I needed to do so that if accidentally sex happened like she wouldn't be exposed to my testosterone oh my gosh (laughs) 
<laughs> that is so ridiculous. <laughs> now I'm just thinking about, like, why do, why do they tell you to put it where, like, if you went to the endocrinologist and said, hey, when I put it on my chest, it makes me cough because I'm allergic to alcohol. Can I put it on my ass? I mean, what can I do? I mean, that's under my clothes. It is. Typically. It is. For most people. Yeah. And that's where I put my estrogen, even though it's supposed to go on your stomach. It just won't stay. I've got, like, too many curves. Mm -hmm. And my ass is not flat, but it's, like, curved in the right direction where I get less friction and everything's okay. Like, I've got no creases or, like, yeah, things are, like, moving less. It's all, like, hanging out back there. <laughs> being, <laughs> being fat. <laughs> Okay. In a good way. So once you had been on testosterone for a while, then you had revisited this idea of possibly looking towards surgery. No, actually, I started it all kind of like as soon as I got through the gateway. You know, like there's only so many spoons that I can devote to like getting through bashing medical people. So as soon as I got through the testosterone, I was like, well, I don't know how long it's going to take to get top surgery and I'll decide along the way to the gatekeeping. So I, the process, I like wasn't sure, but I knew there was lots of gatekeeping. And as soon as I got through like one round of gatekeeping for the hormones, which I absolutely knew I wanted, it was a question of getting the energy together to do the next one. So I'm still stuck. We went to a surgical consult. There's been a backup in the Oakland Gender Clinic where my insurance is. And so they wanted to like boot me to somewhere else. And I was like, that's fine. As long as it's not like a god awful like neighborhood where they want to kill me. And and sure enough, like they picked a place like a, a white suburb. Basically. Yeah, white yeah. suburb. Like the the place they wanted to send me, they were like, "Hey, you used to live out in the booties where the like white German angelic lady who you know thinks of menopause as transition like lived." And I was like, "No, I am not going there. I am not going there." So like it's just down the street. It's like if you fall down Oakland, it like you end up down there. It's it's not Oakland, but it's it's Oakland enough. And um they just opened a clinic and unfortunately like they decided to like get a new surgeon who as far as I can tell has like no ability to work with trans people. At some point she looked at my chart and she looked at me with my like concerns about my genetic disorder and said, we don't recommend at all that, you know, there's elective surgery for people with your condition. And was, that, was that the one that I went to with yeah. you? Well, she also said, you said you had questions because you have EDS. And she said, what's EDS? Yes. And then we're both like, okay, shit, never mind. Yeah. Not this one. Yeah, this not this work. one. Uh-uh. Yeah. And then she proceeded to be more concerned about things that were to do with wound healing, which you do not have a problem with. I don't have any problem with that. And that was not what you were trying to address. No. So no, it, it just happened to be that, that I was here, so I, thank I God. went with you. Yeah. No, it was, like, really validating. Because the things that, like, wore on me afterwards that I was just like, no spoons left, you know, God damn it, was the things that she said that were just not very, like, non-binary trans positive. Like, she asked me twice, like, are you sure you don't want to just get, like, really massive, like, breast reduction? And I was like, no. What? And why she needed to ask you that more yeah. than once, let alone once at all. Yeah. And then, you know, like, she had to correct herself when she was just like, we don't recommend elective surgery at all for people like you. And it's just like, oh, and I recognize that gender confirmation surgery is not elective surgery. And I was just thinking to myself, oh, do you now? Yeah, thank you for finally getting around to that. But like, the damage is done. Fuck. Yeah. 
So I complained a little bit and then a lot, and somehow it got to the right people because it's a big machine, right? Mm -hmm. And now I have like a consult with the head of plastic surgery who has done top surgery on people with my condition. Your condition of EDS. Yeah, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Not in any of your other conditions. uh, that we, We don't know that part yet. Yeah. Yeah. Because she seemed to be, the surgeon that we went to for the consult seemed to be saying, you know, indicating her issues with gender surgery. And I'm like, then why are you in this department and this clinic? And the other thing that she was saying is like, Ehlers-Danlos is like a collagen disorder and and she was worried about my skin pulling apart. She's like, well, just leave it looser. And I'm like, I don't want a flappy fucking chest. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, what the fuck? I went home that night and I did not sleep at all because I was doing research instead of sleeping. And I was like, like genuinely like a clear state of mind where I was like, oh, these are thoughts that I'm not going to have during the day because I'll be too busy and distracted. And so like I let myself get distracted and stay up all night researching. And sure enough, there's all this research out there in the world because it turns out people with Ehlers-Danlos, you give us a collagen disorder and we end up with gender dysphoria. Who the fuck knows why that is? But there's a higher incidence of us in the trans community than, you know, like there should be than there is in the general population. And so they've done studies on like top surgery and Ehlers-Danlos and it turns out it's not a fucking issue. Whoa. I know. Hold on. There's research? There's research. (sighs) And it turns out if you're a surgeon, I expect you to have done the research. Either that or be willing to admit that you need to go do research. I mean, I'll even accept that sometimes. Okay, those are all nice ideas, you guys, but have you met doctors? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so. so that's where I am with that. I, you know, like next Sunday, which is a weird day, next Sunday at 8 a.m. I have a consult with the like head of plastic surgery. At 8 a.m. on a Sunday. Which is very strange. And of course, I can't be here. So I keep trying to think who could go there. Yeah. Who can go with you? Do you have someone else that might be able to go with you? It's a video consult. Oh. Yeah. I wonder if you could request a second link for your medical advocate or your expected caregiver or, yeah. you know, yeah. the person who's going to be your caregiver while you recover or... And then we would just show up on your video. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Your caregivers. I can try that. Yeah. I can try that. Because that's... We would be doing that. Yeah. So... Yeah. It, it strikes me that they should be able to, to give you a second link for, for your patient advocate or for your caregiver or for your person. I have been pretty astounded by how bad the technology is. I would not be surprised if they cannot do that. I will ask, but it's it's mind-blowing. Like, when I log into my app, it has face recognition. I'm like, how nice is that? And then it shows me the login screen in rapid succession, like three... Well, rapid, depending on how fast their servers are running. Like, Fair. three <laughs> times in a row, and then, like, about... 30 seconds later, I'm actually logged in on a page that's completely useless. And that's what they thought of as an improvement over the last login system. And you have to do it on an app? Yeah. Well, on my computer, yeah. I have to log into their their kind of web app or whatever. Hmm. I don't know that I've ever talked about this on this podcast because I don't think I was quite so fucking rich the last time I was on here. But I'm quite fucking rich. It's wild how your career advancement (laughs) has progressed in the past couple of years. And the thing is, like, you can you feel rich and you consider yourself rich. You are not rich by most standards, but 
Well, I have to work to be rich. Yes. And and there are people that don't have to work and they're rich. And that's like the next level rich. But but this is so much money, which is to say, like, I can afford to pay for top surgery out of pocket. It'll take like, you know, a couple months for me to like save up that money and then I can right. go. And right. so that's an option that I think other people do not have that I am lucky right. to have. Correct. Right. Yes. You, correct. you have had significant career advancement in the past couple of years and you are making a significant salary and are able to meet your own needs in the sense. Yeah. And, and your awareness of your financial status has a lot to do with your history, our history of when we were young and would be like, hey, we have $2 extra. Let's go get, <laughs> let's go to Roosevelt's and get a tamale, you know? <laughs> Man, so, that was such a deal. I know. It was such a deal. Right and it was so expensive and such a treat. And that was when? That was what like years were you guys living there then? 1990. 91. 90, 91. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally great. Yeah. And it was like the $2 that we had extra for the month. Yeah. But we were going to spend it on an enchilada or tamale. Yeah. For sure. And, you know, like, uh, I had a pretty bizarre, mixed, um, confusing class, like, growing up. You know, like, my parents were allegedly middle class, but we didn't have clothes. And they were spending it in weird ways and very controlling about it. So it wasn't, like, available to me in any meaningful way. Yeah. And so, like, it wasn't very different to have been, like, poor until, like, really below the poverty line until, and not even notice it, right, until, like, 2009 or something like that. And then I was like, holy fuck, suddenly I'm in this wave of, like, people want this skill that I accidentally acquired. Let's go. (laughs) Right. And it's been a real adaptation to just be like, maybe I should replace my Ikea table with like a really nice table that I'm going to keep forever in this house that I intend to live in forever. Because you were able to buy a house in Oakland? I know. (laughs) I know. A house with a bad foundation. (laughs) Well, I mean. But I'm able to fix it too, which mm -hmm. is, you know, like the thing. Yeah. It's Oakland. There are a lot of houses with bad foundations. (laughs) I know. Some of them are getting fixed. I saw a couple of them up on stilts the other day when we were walking. Yeah. Yeah. We, we like to look at that when we're taking a dog for a walk or something. Yeah. Well, next week I'm going up on stilts. Yeah. yeah. I was going to make this an EDS joke, but... <laughs> not a circus reference either. No, your house is getting put on stilts. But, like, <laughs> that sense of having achieved middle-class status for, you know, whatever your neighborhood or your area is... Middle class in the Bay is very different from middle class in the Midwest, but like to have achieved middle class wherever you're at, all three of us know that because George and I also both grew up intermittently in poverty. Yeah. And so it is that weird sense of like, holy shit, I can do the things. It's still like mind blowing. But in this case, like the mind blowing thing is uh, top surgery with a better kind of surgeon. If, If it turns out like this you know, second opinion doesn't work out with the head of plastic surgery. I have options that, you know, like other people don't, and I feel lucky. (sighs) So that's the state of my gender transition. And, you know, like internally, like I don't look in the mirror, like hardly at all. And unfortunately, I have to do a lot of like video conversations and my incredibly like well, you know, like good paying job where I experience so much bias, so much bias. Unbelievable. You work in tech. I work in tech. So much fucking bias. It's unbelievable. There are like some trans women in our very large organization. They're very far away. And I just kind of like 
wave on the, at them across the like great divide but there are like no trans mask people at all and like actually i i don't even know if there's anybody in the like kind of the lesbian world that i work with and in the past they had to like bring in admin assistants and like marketing people to like the higher ups meetings in order to just introduce any amount of gender diversity other than me so Sometimes I'm meeting with the CTO and like all these directors of who do you whatever and you know their assistants for for dinner. Great. I know. Great. <laughs> oh for heck's sake. <laughs> yeah. Reminds me of that episode of was that in It's a Sin where um the one guy would always bring along his assistant to have some color in the room. Oh god. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And I'm paid well. I have to show up on video. I try and, like, hide myself and stuff like that. But, like, if if it goes below the shoulders, like, if somehow, like, it's just a, it just is very jarring for me. But most of the time I can avoid it. And so, like, those photos that you sent me today, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. That is not the body that I, you know, mm-hmm. like, see in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be grateful to have, like, a, you know, smaller body up top. Yeah. Because that was the thing, too. It was like, I, I think I went from, like, a C to a double D with menopause. And the C, I could hide because I was relatively skinny and I wore baggy clothes. And, you know, and this, this there's no fucking hiding this, man. Like, I lead with my breasts. Like, they show up before I do. Like, you know, sometimes they're opening the gate for me at the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Can you teach mine to do that? <laughs> Yeah, and that thing that people with big breasts, like, deal with is just, like, I lost something, I'd better look in my bra, you know? Oh, my gosh. Like, I've got crumbs, and they're in there. Oh, always crumbs. Yes. And, like, never not, like, the shelf, like, catching everything, (laughs) like, all the drips, like... You can't lean over your plate far enough. No. To, no, like, you'd be upside down. <laughs> <laughs> like, last night when George and I went out to the to the thing and we had dinner first, and, like, I was trying so hard to lean over the plate, and I still ended up with spatters on me. I'm like, no. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, that that is definitely a, a notable change when you're used to being very androgynous, because I know yeah. I never had to wear a bra or anything before 30. And I just wore, you know, like a tank top. Yeah. That was that. Yeah. Then after 30, my body started changing. Revolt. And yeah, I couldn't couldn't stand it. And it it still took you 20 more years to get around to doing something about it. Well, it's like, it's hard to come to terms with it, you know? It is. It is. It is hard to come to terms with it because you, as you said, you no longer felt like yourself. Yeah. Whereas I had never felt like myself, but... Had, yeah. you know, adjusted as far as I could and then, you know, had other things keeping me from transition. Yeah. I got to say, even when I felt like myself, like when I was a pornographer and I was surrounded by all these genderqueer people for the first time, and I started to be just like, oh, this is the kind of trans person I am. I didn't know this was possible. I was still just like every three to five years, I'm like, do I want top surgery? It, it never occurred to me to like go on hormones because I wasn't having the same, like my hormones feel fucking wrong problem that I'm having now but it was like every once in a while this, I mean since I like was Your hormones 14. were different then yeah and as it became more unbalanced it became more pronounced to you but when I was 14, I like I, was, I wanted top surgery. You know what I mean? It was like, and I then did, I'd get I used to it. And, and you know, like, which you wouldn't, you know, like, but I'd get used to it and put it on hold. And now I'm just like, 
why? Why should I put it on hold? Yeah. Because, yeah. like, my gender therapist uh, girlfriend who doesn't like breasts liked my breasts. Like, what the fuck is that? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good reason. No, no. that's a terrible and also reason. also, they're not your girlfriend, so. Exactly. Yeah. That was, like, a, a short stint to nowhere. So... So is that it for now? I think that's it. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less than complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! Okay, tell us what you had for breakfast. What did I have for breakfast? I had pancakes. I made pancakes with the last egg after advertising that maybe I would get eggs, but down the street was closed. Because it turns out the liquor store was open too late to be up early. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And then we said we would probably get eggs around 10, and then we forgot because we were getting a door. Doors are important. Doors are important. Not as important as, like, immediately as important as eggs, however. But then I had leftover Indian food for breakfast, and it was okay. Yeah. And it appears that we are all being picked up acceptably by the microphone. Adequately. Adequately. Are we ready? Sure. Okay. We all shuffle and get comfortable I make because sure. all of those shufflings are going to have to get cut out. It was something was falling. I was trying to make sure it wasn't going to. Right. I was talking. Right. We are out here by the traffic. We are out here by the traffic. It might be quieter with the thing. I don't know if I put it down. If it's any quieter. No. Okay. No, we're good. We could go into the living room. No, it's all right. There's going to be some background noise anyway, and the I have the software to get like just perpetual type background noise and traffic type background noise out of there for the most part but it's just a matter of waiting for the quietest time possible to to get us started so that i can get those few seconds of quiets that it will key to yeah goodbye plane yeah yeah it's a dog protest in fact you left my bowl empty and i didn't get to eat ever in three years what the fuck been longer than that okay are we ready again (laughs) thank you for your patience Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And I'm Vinny. And this, this is... is... Transfantastic. <laughs> I don't know. I was just doing your thing. Wasn't you were doing my thing. It's Sorry. okay. It's all right. Start over. And this is... You lost your ambiguity. Uh, no, I can't say it. <laughs> There's a ing dog over here. Should I toss the toy out the door? Or... Yes. Okay. She's, hey. she's doing her work. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> But um, the thing I wanted to start with is I just felt like... The thing I wanted to start with... Hold on. Wait wait until she gets settled. We do this with Bob all the time where we wait till Bob settles down because he's, you know, flapping his ears and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's okay.